outside. En 1997, después de 150 años de historia en ING, decidimos repartes y que nos ha convertido en un banco directo grande, el más grande del mundo. No serás un cliente. You are now listening to the Lion Eyes podcast. Oh, that was nice. That was a nice little change of pace. For those of you that have been a fan of the podcast and you've been listening all along, you'll notice that we have a brand new introduction, and that's not the only change we have to the Lion Eyes podcast. In fact, if you're listening to this podcast right now, That means that you can go get this on iTunes. That's right, boys and girls. After nearly two months of trying to get this podcast on iTunes, we have succeeded. We are uh, in the process of finalizing. iTunes has sent us the email, and they've let us know that they're uh, going through their process to accept us, and then... We will be up on iTunes just like uh, any other podcast that you listen to. You'll be able to subscribe, get us straight to your uh, iPhone, iPad, whatever product you use to, to get podcasts. We'll continue to be on the website and um, you can get an RSS feed through there as well. So don't fret if you're not an Apple user. There still be ways to get the Lionize podcast. So... Uh, without further ado, hello, welcome back. This is the Lion Eyes Podcast. I'm your host, Art Leon. So welcome to our 21st Century Radio Hour, the podcast. If you're a new listener because you've stumbled across us either through word of mouth, uh, somebody sent you the iTunes link, or you just stumbled upon us on iTunes, welcome. Uh, stick around for a bit. Hopefully you like what you hear and give us some feedback and we'll try to make a better product. Today, uh, we are recording this on February 4th, 2015. This is our eighth podcast, and our product guarantee for today, we will not see our shadows here, and also, we will run the ball with one yard to go. So, what will we be talking about today? Uh, first and foremost, uh, we'll get to the iTunes story. We're going to talk about Super Bowl 49, uh, the NCAA basketball, and the 100th excuse me, the thousandth win for Coach K over at Duke. Talk a little late night TV, Rolling Stone magazine editorial uh, kind of we're going to have here to open up the podcast. We'll get to talk about some pop culture with SNL, movie awards season, and some exciting new artists to watch, plus a black history moment here at the Lion Eyes podcast. And of course, tweets, tips, and things. So ever so briefly, Uh, we'll just share the iTunes story uh, to catch our old listeners up and uh, just so new listeners can understand what a big deal this was for us here at the Lion Eyes uh, podcast. Essentially, um, we uh, created the podcast and it was just a small affair being passed around uh, via email to a few good friends. It was up at uh, my personal blog, freerevolt.blogspot.com, and uh, I attempted endlessly to get on iTunes, and I was failing with coding, and uh, 
cut out any boring details and spare any listeners the ins and out of coding. Essentially, what I did is I burnt everything down and start from the beginning. Uh, so I want to give a thank you to Amazon S3 Storage for being our new uh, server to host all of the uh, MP3 files that are our podcast. I want to give a shout out to... Uh, WordPress.com, as we're building a brand new website there uh, for Blogger, for hosting my original blog, and and um, for right now being that temporary space that we're using as the host for uh, the links. And finally, uh, FeedBurner.com for uh, using that site to create the uh, RSS link that I needed to, to send to Apple. And finally, uh, to a group of people, Scott Obermiller, one of our avid listeners, uh, for making the suggestion that I stop doing the podcast until I got an iTunes uh, for my dad with his help on looking at the code and continuing to, to push that conversation forward and trying different uh, ways to get that on. And for my mom, who uh, on her birthday... Uh, suggested that I tackle this issue after putting it aside for a while. Uh, So a shout out to all those people and a happy birthday to my mom if she's listening right now. Um, So that's really the iTunes story and nutshell for those of you that have been around you'll know what an accomplishment this is. Uh, For those of you that are brand new you're probably here because of this accomplishment so I'm sure you're thrilled as well. And At this point, I want to do something different for uh, the Lion Eyes. Uh, We're going to go to our A topic, and our A topic is uh, essentially um, women. And I've kind of been putting this off, uh, but I want to address the Rolling Stone issue and uh, a little pet project of mine, which is uh, Women in Late Night. And I'm going to clumsily make um, a parallel there, I guess, uh, through an editorial. Uh, But before that, I just want to catch everyone up on what um, is the full story of the Rolling Stone um, article that they wrote. So this is going to be the the setup to the editorial. And for the first time in the Lion Eyes podcast, I actually wrote out an editorial and I'm going to share it with you. And then we're going to move on to uh, the B topic in sports because sports. Um, so here we go. Here's the, the background. And I got this from the New York Magazine online. Uh, the article was written on January 13th, uh, 2015, and I accessed it on February 3rd, 2015. Um, so the first date we need to be aware of is November 19th, uh, 2014, which is not that long ago. It seems like a while ago, and the, and the story has really vanished, even though it's not that old. Uh, Rolling Stone publishes an article entitled A Rape on Campus. A Brutal Assault and Struggle for Justice at UVA. Uh, It was written by Rolling Stone contributing editor Sabrina Rubin uh, Erdley. And it talked about the University of Virginia's uh, handling of rape cases. And the story was framed by introducing a woman named Jackie, who claims that she was allegedly gang-raped in a University of Virginia frat house on September 28, 2002, um, a few weeks into her freshman year. Uh, the culprit, uh, the alleged culprit, was a man named Dave, which is a pseudonym used for the article. Uh, he was a junior, and he was a member of a fraternity on campus. Um, the summary of her story, uh, she says that uh, Jackie 
says that she went on the date, and then uh, Drew took her to a uh, function at his fraternity, uh, brought her upstairs uh, under the guise that they would have some alone time. Uh, she entered the room. Uh, it was dark, and there were several men there. Uh, Jackie... Um, claims that for the next three hours, and I'm quoting now from New York Magazine, uh, seven men took turns raping her as Drew and another man looked on. She says one of the men whom she recognized from her anthropology discussion group was encouraged by the others to penetrate her with a beer bottle. Um, from there, uh, Jackie uh, called some friends and... Um, screaming, again, I'm quoting, something bad happened, I need you to come and find me. Um, her three friends, two boys and a girl, find her outside the fraternity. Um, one of the friends quoted in the article as, uh, this is again a pseudonym, uh, Randall, suggests that she go to the hospital. Uh, according to Jackie, the other shot her down, and there was a discussion on the social implications. Apparently UVA is a small enough campus um, that uh, turning on a fraternity will have some implications, this according to Jackie. Uh, Jackie then calls her mother. This is later. Um, uh, she goes home uh, before finals, I believe. Um, she then, uh, toward the end of her freshman year, reports the rape to a dean at the University of Virginia. Uh, she's given three options. According to her, those options are to file a criminal complaint, file a complaint with the school, or face her attackers with the dean present to tell them how she feels. That's an absurd, if that's true, that's just an absurd option. Uh, the article goes to note that Jackie is no longer friends with Randall, and according to uh, Rolling Stone, Randall has cited his loyalty to his own frat and declined to be interviewed by Rolling Stone. Again, this is all from New York Magazine, uh, written on January 13th, uh, 2015. The next important date is November 22nd, 2014. Um, the initial response of the article, uh, people outraged, uh, particularly and obviously at the University of Virginia, um, the University of Virginia president, uh, Teresa Sullivan, suspends all fraternities, sororities, and Greek organizations until January 9th, 2015. And she asked the uh, Charlottesville Police Department to investigate. On November 24th, questions begin to emerge. A Radley, or Rich, excuse me, Richard Bradley, a former George Magazine editor, um, writes an essay on the story and questions um, the feel of the story. On November 28th, um, Erdley describes her reporting uh, with an interview with the Washington Post and in an interview with uh, Slate Podcast. Um, Erdley describes um, that she decided to write about sexual assault on campus. Uh, she spent roughly six weeks talking to different students at different universities across the United States, and she eventually settled on the University of Virginia um, due to the, the impact she felt Jackie's story would have. Um, in talking to Jackie, um, she, quote, uh, was absolutely bursting to tell the story. Uh, Erdley says, I cannot believe how it poured out of her in one long narrative. She spoke so fast, I hardly had a chance to ask her a question. She was dying to share it. Early says she spent weeks corroborating Jackie's account and finds her completely credible. But the Post describes her, uh, or excuse me, presses her 
on why she didn't speak to other sources. Again, this is all from New York Magazine. On November 28th, 2014, Erdley describes her reporting methods. Um, in an interview with the Washington Post, and I want to pause here by saying that the Washington Post did a series of phenomenal, phenomenal articles on this topic, and I suggest um, referencing and going back to the Washington Post and reading those articles, a phenomenal example of uh, germ- journalism and and just how they went about uh, reporting and researching um, I think was top-notch, and, and kudos and credit to the Washington Post. Um, so, again, uh, Ardley um, is defending her, her methods. Uh, she says that she spent weeks corroborating Jackie's account and that she found her completely credible. Um, the Post press, presses her on why she didn't speak to other sources and quoting from the Washington Post some elements of the story. However, were apparently too delicate for Erdley to talk about now. She won't say, for example, whether she knows the names of Jackie's alleged attackers or whether in her reporting she approached Drew. End quote. On December 4th, 2014, Rolling Stone confirms that it did not speak to the men. Um, Erdley is quoted as saying, I'm satisfied that these guys exist and they are real. We know who they are. End quote. December 2nd, 2014, the magazine stands by Jackie, and it stands by its own reporting. Um, in a follow-up to their podcast, Slate's Allison Benedict and Hannah Rosen um, say that they reached out to Jackie's friends, and now we start to get a different side of the story. Um, they report that she got upset when Erdley wanted to know more about her attackers and reconsidered going public. This is going to have big implications later on. December 5th, 2014, the story begins to unravel. Um, and this is directly quoting from New York Magazine, um, which is quoting uh, the Washington Post. The student identified as Andy in the Rolling Stone article confirms that Jackie called and said something bad happened in the fall of 2012. He and two other friends ran to meet her about a mile from the fraternity house. He says that she was really upset, really shaken up, but did not appear to be physically injured. He claims Jackie told him she had been forced to have oral sex with a group of men. He says they offered to get her help, but that she just wanted to go back to the dorm. She asked them to spend the night with her, and they did. Andy denies that Jackie's dress was bloody, and she named a specific frat, or that they debated the social price of her next move. December 5th, 2014 again, Rolling Stone releases a statement gets in even more trouble. Um, The statement, uh, quote, in the face of new information, there now appears to be discrepancies in Jackie's account, and we have come to the conclusion that our trust in her was misplaced. After receiving outside criticism that Rolling Stone was blaming an alleged rape victim, the magazine then revises its uh, statement, which Quote includes, we published the article with a firm belief that it was accurate. Given all of these reports, however, we have come to the conclusion that we were mistaken in honoring Jackie's request to not contact the alleged assaulters to get their account. We apologize to anyone who was affected by the story, and we will continue to investigate the events of the evening. End quote. December 7th, 2014. Jackie's former suite mate comes to her defense. Emily Kark who shared a suite with Jackie during her freshman year, 
ended up writing a piece on the University of Virginia newspaper describing how she became depressed during the fall of 2012. I can tell you that this story is not a hoax, a lie, a scheme. This is her quote. Something terrible happened to Jackie at the hands of several men who have not yet to receive any repercussions. End quote. December 10th, 2014. Jackie's friends suggest Drew is a fabrication. Uh, the Washington Post in another article reveals um, Randy, Andy, and Cindy, all pseudonyms. The three students who rushed to Jackie um, gave them details about Drew, her date that night, um, and they were led to believe and question whether he was real. Um, while Rolling Stone says that Randall declined to be interviewed, as we stated earlier, um, he says that he was never contacted and would have talked to the magazine. According to Drew, quote, I had never seen anybody acting like she was the night before, and I really hope I never have to again. If she was acting on the night of September 28th, 2012, then she deserves an Oscar, end quote. The Post notes, the writer Sabrina um, Erdley did not respond to requests for comments this week. December 14th, 2014, Jackie's friends dispute the Rolling Stones account using their real names. Andy, Cindy, and Randall, um, whose real names are Alex, Catherine, and Ryan, um, are quoted to say that um, they dispute the article. And here we have a quote from um, Ryan, who says... And I think this is important. Quote, the thing is, it doesn't matter, he said. It doesn't matter if it's true or not, because whether this one incident is true, there's still a huge problem with sexual assault in the United States. And I'm going to pause there and say I think that's the crux of the problem, is that this poor reporting by Rolling Stone made this an article, or excuse me, made this an issue about Rolling Stone, made this an issue about false reports, and took away what should have been a spotlight that was shown um, with the problem of sexual assault in the United States, but more importantly, problem on college campuses across the United States. All three say that Rolling Stone never contacted them before the article was published. December 22, 2014, Rolling Stone asked the Columbia Journalism School to conduct an independent review of its report, and on January 12, 2015, police say that they have no reason to believe that a rape took place, at the fraternity and the University of Virginia. Again, all of this was taken from New York Magazine. The article was written on January 13th, 2015, and I accessed it on February 3rd, 2015. The title of the article, um, how the Washington, or nope, that's the wrong one. The title of the article I am referencing, uh, is everything we know about the UV rape updated? Um, so, and again, that was written by Margaret Hartman, and I hope I've given um, enough um, credit to the source. I am not claiming to have done any of this journalism work myself. I am just reading from the New York Magazine and uh, trying to give our readers an update uh, before I read an editorial, which I will do right now. What I just described, uh, the last date occurred almost a month ago. Rape does not need to be sensationalized. It's real, 
and it happens, and it happens too much. For every story that is made up, and statistics show that roughly 2 to 10% of rape allegations are made up, there are countless untold stories. We need to cultivate a culture that allows conversation and space for women to feel empowered to report these alleged crimes and seek support afterwards. We need to foster a society that does not slut shame women or blame them for the actions of men. We need to stand up as men and educate ourselves and each other about the power of language, actions, and politics have in our culture. We need to claim responsibility for our role in the demonization of rape accusations and the enabling accomplice role men take in not having a meaningful and inclusive dialogue about women equality and rights. No amount of alcohol, no amount of clothing, no amount of teasing will ever justify a rape or sexual assault of a woman. Women are not property nor sexual puppets for the wants and lust of men. Until our culture views, treats, and empowers women as equals, until our society educates, demands, and rewards men as partners, then we will be behind. It is my stand here at the Lion Eyes Podcast, and I speak for myself, that we no longer allow ourselves to be complacent in this issue. Enough is enough. Women are mothers, sisters, friends, partners, co-workers. Women are our daughters. There is no reason as men why we should ever treat a woman less than equal. And there is no reason as a woman, there's, excuse me, and there's no reason a woman should ever feel she is not empowered to be herself. It is why I maintain my continued insistence that the power of pop culture can help this issue. Although entirely superficial, I am convinced that it is unacceptable that in 2015 that a woman is not a late night host of a big major network. I find it incomprehensible that we still cannot have a believable sex scene or a love story that is not filmed, written, or insensitively criticized by a man. The day that I see a woman on NBC, CBS, ABC, or Fox at the 11.30 p.m. or 12.35 a.m. time slot and I see a sex scene from a woman's perspective... Because let's be honest, if sex in movies or TV happened in real life, and by that I mean 45 seconds long in poor positions, <clears throat> your lover would not be making those noises. So again, when I see a woman, late night host, and movies and television written and accepted from a female perspective, I will know our society may be ready to tackle much larger issues on the topic of gender. Until then... It is our responsibility to have a national conversation and be a proactive part of the solution. Because yes, one person can make a difference. Because to someone you're not just one person, you may in fact be the person. So stand up, be heard, and be proud to support the equality and acceptance of your mothers, sisters, friends, partners, co-workers, and daughters. So for those of you that are upset because 30 seconds of your football game, you were forced to see a no more ad, tough. For those of you that don't believe no means no, you're wrong. Keep the conversation moving forward. Don't impede it. And stand up to a friend or someone you know that refuses to be part of the solution. And finally, if you know someone who believes that no sometimes means yes, slap them in their dumb, stupid faces. And if their counter-argument is that some women like to play rough or tease, kick them in the dick. 
like straight up between the shaft and the balls, as hard as you can. Because here's the bottom line, folks. If a woman says no, she means it. In fact, let me, right now, be part of the solution. If you don't hear yes, stop. And if you still have the balls to tell me that you may miss out on some great kinky sex, if you pass up on a girl teasing you and saying no, you either never had sex or you've sexually assaulted a woman. Because you are mistaken. No means no. Trust me, when you find a kinky girl, she'll let you know. Until then, red light it. Stop. Until you hear yes. And for the record, Rush Limbaugh, you're an idiot. I'm the host of the Lion Eyes podcast, Arturo Leon. And now, here's some copy that my producers are telling me to read. Buffets. All the food you want to eat, plus the food you don't for one low cheap price. Buffets. Located on most street corners in America. If you're hungry, why aren't you eating at buffets? There's a food you like, we have it. Or something really close to it. Plus, all the other foods you do not plan on eating, but will because it's there to be eaten by you. So come down to your local buffets. Buffets, a proud sponsor of the Lion Eyes podcast. Back to the podcast. And now, with no other way to do this but an awkward transition, we're going to move on to another topic. As rough as it's going to be, and as classless and awkward as it may be, ladies and gentlemen, because, why not? Because sports. So I don't know if everybody's heard, but there was a Super Bowl this weekend. That was a thing. It happened. And a lot of people watched from what I've heard. We're not going to spend too much time on that because I'm sure everyone is saturated, full of conversation on the Super Bowl. I will just say... And point out, if, if you're not aware of this, Madden every year does a simulation of the Super Bowl. And most years, people, you know, they just, they're checking to see if the, the simulation got it right, um, maybe the score, and that's really about it. And before this year, um, the Madden games were 8-3 and three in predicting the winner. Um, really no statistics uh, that I've run across that really analyze the score. However, this year, not only did Madden predict the winner, it predicted the score, and it predicted these two things to happen. The first was Tom Brady leading a fourth quarter comeback down from 10 in the fourth quarter, and the game predicted Brady would be the MVP, and then lastly, that Edelman would catch the game-winning pass. Um, and those things actually happened. Um, what it did not predict, however, was that with one yard to go, 30 seconds on the clock, and a timeout, yeah, you know the rest. Yeah, we're just going to move on, because uh, how much more can people talk about this one topic without being ridiculous? I want to focus now our attention on sports because it's that time of year. Look, here's here's the bottom line. Um, football's over. Baseball isn't geared up. Um, right now you have 
the NBA, which let's be honest, unless you're a season ticket holder or a diehard NBA fan, you're not tuning into the NBA for like another two months. Um, college basketball, it's worth paying attention because the tournament's going to happen in about a month and a week, a month and a half. Um, so this would be the time to start checking into college basketball. It's starting to get fun and exciting. Um, but we'll we'll bring this topic up, and you can tweet us at Lion Eyes Podcast. Send us an email. We want to know what you're thinking. Is February the worst sports month? Is there a worse month than February for sports? And then what do you feel is the best time of year? Uh, so common answers people talk about, you know, the March-April when the uh, March Madness, that it's... That, that tournament alone is exciting to watch. Um, other common answers, um, also with uh, March, April, you get the beginning of baseball. Uh, June, July, in which you know baseball is in the middle of its season. You get the NBA championships and the hockey championships, which seem to go on for you know eight months, uh, but really, I think, are lasting like two and a half. Um, October, other people cite that. It's the end of baseball, the playoffs, football has you know already got some time into it. It's exciting, everybody's into it. Or December, January, in which you have football playoffs, the, that's the NFL. Um, you have the college bowl season. At that time, um, hockey is also underway, NBA is underway. Uh, so some people would say that December, January, from mid-December to mid-January, might be the best time for sports. We want to know what you think. We'll talk about this more in the next podcast. Uh, so moving on, ever so briefly, um, NCAA just going to peek in, going to see how uh, everybody is uh, doing with that. Uh, if you haven't been keeping up with it, just so you know, Kentucky with their freshmen, they're still undefeated. They've still got a phenomenal team, and that's like the big storyline. Are they going to stay undefeated? Um consensus is it's probably good for a team to get at least one loss before going into the tournament. Uh, one of the, those rare sports records, uh, that Indiana Hoosiers team that went undefeated. Uh, you know, Bob Light Knight led that team that went all the way through the regular season undefeated and went into the tournament. That's a, that's a hard feat, um, especially with, you know, having a regular season tournament, a regular season, and then a conference tournament, and then the national tournament. It's a lot of high-pressure games. Um, without getting at least one loss. And then at the end of the season, it's just not only is the pressure of the tournament building, both your conference and the national, but then you get that extra media attention on, on that zero, that, that loss. Um, so it, it just creates a lot of uh, distractions week in and week out. The other big storyline is Virginia over in the ACC just dominating, just playing some, some great basketball. Um, but besides that, you know, the regular players are in there, I will say, uh, my hometown team of North Carolina, where they're rooted for growing up, the Tiles. Uh, they're playing, uh, they're 17-5, and five, you know, up and down season. Um, besides that loss to Butler at the beginning of the season of the tournament, most of the losses have been quality losses, which is not something you root for. Um, you're rooting for those quality wins, and which is what UNC is really lacking, are those quality wins. Um, they've got some big games coming up. Um, obviously going to play Duke twice um, and then finish out the ACC and then go into the tournament. So there's still some chances there um, for, for UNC to get some more quality wins. Their biggest win probably coming um, against Louisville uh, where they won uh, by one point. But then they turn around and they lost by U of, U, uh, to Louisville um, just recently. Um, and overtime, they had a horrible um, last quarter um, against Virginia. 
um, in which they were leading Virginia going into half, and then they shot like 30% in the second half. Uh, so some tough back-to-back -to -back losses <clears throat> that UNC has had. Um, and the other big storyline coming out of uh, the NCAA is obviously uh, the 1,000 wins, uh, the first men's NCAA basketball coach to get um, a thousand wins, uh, Coach K, as he's affectionately called over in Duke. Um, that's uh, Mike Shashevsky. Um And normally, I would say little to nothing positive about Coach K as a lifelong uh, fan of UNC basketball. Uh, Coach K, he's been there ever since I've been alive. He's been at, at Duke, so he's really the only Duke coach I know. I not. He, he is, in fact, the only Duke coach I know, and therefore embodies everything that is wrong and horrible and evil and vile about uh, Duke University. And so usually I hold all those feelings of disgust uh, at him, since he's the embodiment. Uh, but we'll take, we'll take a TV timeout here. We're actually going to say some positive things about good old Coach K. So for highlight for those of you that just have no idea who I'm talking about. Um, first, let me stop and say that uh, um, the thousand win achievement has, in fact, has been achieved by Pat Summit out of Tennessee. So let's let's be fair there and and make that clear that this isn't the first coach; it's just the first men's Division One coach to reach a, a thousand wins. Um, he began his coaching career um, in Indiana under his old coach um, Bob Knight. Bob Knight coached at West Point when. Uh, Coach K was a student there, played basketball, was a captain his senior year, served in the Army. And this His story is, is, is great, and I'm going to say everything positive I'll ever say positive about Coach K here, record it for um, prosperity's sake, and it'll be you know on iTunes, and then I'll never say anything positive again. I'll just point to these few minutes that I'm talking about him. Um, he then went back to his alma mater, coached at Army, and then was plucked. Relatively young coach. He had been coaching for five or six years to coach at Duke, um, which you know obviously meant he had to sell his soul and um, be an evil monster. But you know he went to Duke, built the team up, had some great rivalries with uh, Dean Smith over in UNC, um, and you know started winning uh, pretty quickly um, in Duke once he got that team. Um, you know, turned around um, his championships. They include four uh, tournaments, uh, the 11 Final Fours, 13 ACC tournament championships, 12 regular season championships. Uh, his teams have gone to the NCAA championship game eight times. Uh, he's been at the Elite Eight 13 times. You know, so this is a guy, he's a two-time um, basketball times coach of the year, three-time Naismith coach of the year. So these are these are some pretty big awards uh, that he's got going on. Um, some huge success, you know. So he's he's obviously led Duke, and then um, I would say that he's probably most proud of. And I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here. His success with the men's national team. Um, he you know getting a coach to a chance to coach not just professionals but the best of the best. Uh, probably good incentive to help him stay at Duke and not you know feel that need to coach at a different level. Back-to-back -back gold tournaments, uh, being the head coach for the 2008 uh, Beijing team and the 2012 London team. Um, and he was also, I found out, part of the uh, coaching staff in uh, 92 with the greatest team that ever was assembled. Uh, he was an assistant on that phenomenal 92 Dream Team. 
Um, so congratulations to Coach K. Um, we look forward to some more games playing against you, and um, here's to you never winning another game again. So uh, tip of the hat from the Lion Eyes, and uh, again, we hope you stop at 1,000. So uh, that's that. Moving on, I, that's a pretty short sports section. For those of you that aren't big sports fans, I'm sure you'll you'll clap for that. Um, we're we're going to talk about some TV, pop culture, a little bit of music. Let's um, just jump right in our little SNL update. It's been a while um, since we did the podcast. SNL was also away, so we're not really missing out on much. Um, I think since we've been gone, uh, Kevin Hart, uh, Blake Shelton, and J.K. Simmons were the guest hosts. Um, three episodes, I don't know if it was the break, I don't know if there's just been so many poor episodes that, you know, mediocrity is seeming better, but, uh, those last three episodes, I would say, have been much, much better than what we saw before the break. Um, I think Kevin Hart's energy that he brought when he was the host, uh, you know, made everyone play up to that level, so I, I, I think that was a real positive. And then Blake Shelton, you know, it was, like, not a risk episode, um, he was a real game player. Um, I will say I was disappointed when you have someone like J.K. Simmons, you know, a great character actor. He's nominated for an Oscar this year. Um, take some more chances um, with someone like that. They really played it safe. Um, on, on the positive note, uh, Weekend Update has been getting better. And I think the formula there is just let's not have Colin Jost and Michael Che even interact. You know, completely different styles. Um, and then uh, Colin Jost just embracing the awkwardness um, and just totally buying in into the Seth Meyers impression and just playing off of the the frat boy good looks. Um, so if it feels the you know if it's working for him if it's going to get better then you know congratulations to that. I still maintain that you know with the writing staff that they're trying to write to uh, their players um, and the writers and the players are just they're, they're different. Um, and I think when you fix that dichotomy, you're going to get a better um, SNL. Um, and then the big, the big negative in these three episodes is just the missed marks. Uh, you know, Leslie Jones just kind of awkward when she's out there sometimes, which is a shame. She's a bundle of energy. She's funny. Um, you know, I'll concede concede everything positive that our frequent and and good. Uh, friend of the show and, and one-time contributor, hopefully more, uh, Joe Dunlap has said about Leslie Jones, she, you know, she is fun to watch. Um, and then Kate McKinnon, I, there's, I can't say more good things about her. Um, every episode, it just seems like she's getting better and better. Her characters that she does on Weekend Update, they're weird, they're funny, they're great, they're, they're timely. Um, so just keep it up. To quote Grantland, give... McKinnon the Rock. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You want a best, better SNL? Give give her a chance to be out on more skits. Give her a chance to find her own voice. And, um, you know, let some of these younger players figure out who they are and, and help them out with uh, dropping lines, especially someone like Pete Davidson, who I, I think is the cream of the young crop. Um, he's charming. He's funny. He, he's, he's finding a voice. Um, but he's... He, that the, the skit he did uh, to open, I want to say it was the Blake Shelton episode, um, where he was uh, playing off of uh, Keenan, who was uh, playing Martin Luther King. It was just horrid. You know, he's had just, just looking at the cue card and just fumbling uh, through. I, they just got to work on that, but it's getting better. I will say SNL is getting better. So if you've kind of tuned out 
because of the way the season was going, um, I would suggest tuning back in and just giving it a chance, especially with uh, on February 15th, they're going to have the 40th reunion and uh, some people who we would suspect not to participate, like Eddie Murphy, are going to be there. That's exciting. He just announced that. Uh, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase are supposed to participate. They're probably not going to participate together, but still having both of those great voices there is going to be phenomenal. We're looking forward to that. And uh, the other big thing in pop culture, you have uh, it's, it's award season for the movies. And so we're going to just talk about real quick some of the, the Oscar nominees. And we'll talk about this much more um, as the Oscars get closer. They'll be February 22nd. We did live tweet the Golden Globes uh, in our little intermission of recording. We did do that little fun thing, got some practice, uh, learned some lessons. Uh, I, I do think the Lion Eyes will follow us on Twitter. We're going to live tweet the Oscars. Um, we missed out on live tweeting the Super Bowl or some sporting events, but uh, maybe we'll pick that up with uh, the NCAA tournament or maybe some hockey. Um, but it was fun. We want to start doing it. Uh, hopefully as we build, we get on iTunes, we get some more feedback, some people following us, and um, we'll be able to, to have like a little fun little community on social media. Uh, so right now, you know, back to the Oscar nominees, the big conversation, uh, it seems to be twofold. One, uh, American Sniper and all that hoopla, and then uh, Selma and the, the lack of a nomination for its, uh, its director, Ava uh, DuVernay, and its star playing Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, David Oilowu. I'm, I'm sure I'm butchered that. Um, I'm, I've never been great with names, and especially saying them if I don't have practice. Um, funny story that I think highlights and summarizes this. When I was in the sixth grade in my elementary school, we did um, news broadcast every day. And uh, every sixth grade class, we get a chance to, to have like a month where they were in charge of the news. And I was uh, selected to be uh, the anchor. And I did a phenomenal job until one day... It was the honor roll, and they handed me a list of names. And before we went on the air, I said to the the media specialist, I said, you're going to have to read these. And she said, no, you're the anchor. You know, it'll be a good opportunity for you. And I was like, no, 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 no. Uh, you, you don't want me to read these. It's going to go horrible. Uh, so just go ahead and read these names. You know, all these kids, they all come into the library. Um, don't, don't have me do this. And she was like, no, you're the anchor. You're supposed to do this. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And she said, do you want to lose your anchor job? I was like, no, I'll fine, I'll read the names. And I read the names, and it went so horrible that I lost my anchor job. So the, the lesson, boys and girls, is uh, stick to your principles, um, because if not, it's going to go badly anyway. So it might as well, uh, you might as well have your principles at the end of the day than uh, to have lost your principles and uh, then be embarrassed in front of the whole school. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I apologize for the butchering of those names. Um, so those are the two storylines, uh, American Sniper and, and Selma, and I think pushed to the background are some very great films, um, nominated for Best Picture this year, um, American Sniper, Birdman, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Intimidation Game, Selma, Theory of Everything, and Whiplash, uh, some great films, a lot of hype, um, I'm excited, um, to catch up on, on, on some of these before uh, the Oscars, so I'm looking forward to that. 
and uh, we'll be able to, as the, again, when the officers get close, we'll have more of a conversation. I'm just trying to stay, uh, keep everybody up to date with, um, you know, the award season. And so it's, you know, pop culture and relevant. Um, so, yeah, those are, you know, I guess the pop culture stories we're going to talk about. See, we're going quick here, getting through some sports, getting through some pop culture, keeping it snappy. Um, which leads us to normally would have a B topic here, but we're just going to do a little teaser Next time on the Lion Eyes podcast, we're going to talk about politicians and Cuba. And we're actually going to be able to interview two Cuban immigrants. Um, So stay tuned for that, an exclusive interview here at the Lion Eyes podcast. And do we we have some time? Nope. Now? Okay. Uh, We're going to read some more copy. Uh, for you guys, uh, our proud sponsors. We love having sponsors here at the Lion Eyes. Um, we have two two sponsors we're going to get through right now. The first one, uh, peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly, always better than the alternative. That was a quick one. Uh, I guess they don't have a lot to say in their copy. We're going to have to we're going to have to work on that copy, apparently. And finally, our last sponsor of the day. One eight hundred. I'm sorry. That's 1-800-467-6779 or imsorry.com. For the very best, 1-800-I'm-sorry flowers. For that moment when you realize you're too lazy to go out and find something your loved one would really like, just call us up and order her these flowers that are sure to say, hey, at least I remembered. That's 1-800-I'm-sorry. Because nothing says, I'm sorry, you're actually dating, living with, married, or mothered our children than frozen flowers that aren't even the ones you really like. 1-800-I'm-sorry, that's 1-800-467-6779 or imsorry.com for the very best 1-800-I'm-sorry flowers. Say Lion Eyes or type it in the coupon box online for a rebate on already dirt cheap flowers, you poor slouch. Back to the podcast. Uh, so I guess that's that's some better copy than those peanut butter folks. Uh, so hopefully we'll get some better stuff next time. Those are our sponsors. And that means we're at the uh, part of the show where we're bringing it on to what we like to call the home stretch. Um, so we get to a nice little place where we have our artist to watch corner where we highlight some new upcoming artists. And I hope I said that with as much irony and sarcasm as I can, because our first artist to watch is a young lady. She's only 88 years old, but yet, on her second novel, being released this July, Go Set a Watchman, by the one and only Harper Lee. You may have heard of Harper Lee, who released her first novel in 1960, a little ditty called To Kill a Mockingbird, arguably the quintessential American novel, and one of the best novels of the 20th century. Yeah, that's right, boys and girls. Harper Lee is releasing her second novel ever, which is crazy. It's crazy, her second novel. I have mixed emotions. When I first heard about it, my first emotion was, like, you created a gem. Like, you you penned To Kill a Mockingbird. That is such the drop the mic, I'm out, deuces, you know, dirt, you know, dust the, the dirt off your shoulder. And um, 
she could have walked away with that, but she's going to take a bold step here and released uh, her second novel, which again is entitled Ghost Set a Watchman. It's going to be released in July, and it takes place in the 19, or she wrote in the 1950s. It takes place, I understand, in the 50s, and it has to do with a, a character named Scout, which you may know as the um, the main character of To Kill a Mockingbird. And when she first wrote uh, the novel, her publicist, or editor, excuse me, at the time said, these flashbacks you keep writing of Scout's childhood seem much more interesting. Write that novel. And that novel turned out to be To Kill a Mockingbird. So this is essentially like a pseudo-sequel to uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. So that'll be interesting, and I, I'm sure it's going to get a lot of attention. And uh, she will be an artist to watch with her second novel. Again, that's Harper Lee's To Go... Excuse me, Harper Lee's Go Set a Watchman, uh, which I'm assuming is going to be a phrase that her father, Atticus Finch, says to her. Um, the novel is, is supposedly there. It's about their relationship and as she's a young adult. So uh, much like the the symbolism of the Mockingbird and To Kill a Mockingbird, I'm sure the phrase Go Set a Watchman is going to mean something to all of us starting in July. Our second artist to watch little-known band Modest Mouse releasing the album Strangers to Ourselves. They're uh, releasing it apparently one song at a time on iTunes, which is driving me crazy because uh, I just want the complete album. Uh, so look forward to that. Hopefully Modest Mouse goes out on tour. Um, again, with the sarcasm, as Modest Mouse has been around since the 90s, and um, the big deal is they haven't recorded anything uh, for eight years. So again, uh, we're highlighting people who have been out of the spotlight for a little bit and obviously 55 years is a bit different than eight years um, but uh, in music sometimes eight years can be a lifetime and last but not least uh, not really an artist to watch but more of a show uh, the Americans if you're not watching the Americans I honestly think you're missing out on what may be the best show on television at least on cable television uh, right now um, it's a great show, wonderful plots, and uh, you know you're doing something great when you have imitators. And this season, there's already two shows that are imitating the Americans. But start with the original. It's on season three. You're not too uh, far behind. Uh, it's worth getting the uh, the DVDs or renting them uh, or watching them uh, instantly on Amazon. Uh, seasons one and two. Uh, it's a great show. Season three, again, uh, episode two will be released uh, today. And in fact, so if you're listening to this, you're probably already missed it. Um, so you're going to have to catch uh, episode three. Uh, but hit us up on Twitter and we'll find a way to get you a good summary. Um, if not, fill you in ourselves because we're that excited about the Americans. And at this point, a new feature just for the month of February. A little uh, Black um, History Month uh, trivia. And instead of highlighting a great... Uh, black American, we're going to highlight some facts for you and then let you digest them and deal with it how you see fit. So here we have for Black History Month a series of facts. Fact one, African Americans are incarcerated at nearly six times the rate of white Americans. Two, together African American and Hispanics comprise 58% of all prisoners in 20, or excuse me, 2008 even though African Americans and Hispanics made up approximately one quarter of the United States population. 3. About 14 million whites and 2.6 million African Americans report using an illicit drug. However, 
five times as many whites are using drugs as African Americans, yet African Americans are sent to prison for drug offenses at ten times the rate of whites. African Americans represent 12% of the total population of drug users, but 38% of those arrested for drug offenses and 59% of those in state prisons for drug offense. And lastly, African Americans serve virtually as much time in prison for a drug offense, 58.7 months, as whites do for a violent offense, 61.7 months. This data brought to you by the NAACP.org backslash pages backslash criminal justice fact sheet. I did go to the Pew uh, research and I also looked at the, excuse me again, U.S. Department of Justice, a report that they released on September 2014 and verified these numbers. So these, um, although I did get these facts from the ND. NAACP. I don't want any listener out there saying that it's biased because I did fact check again with Pew Research and the U.S. Department of Justice to verify these numbers. And continuing on our home stretch, um, our Boychek corner. Some sad news. Zach Boychek, our NHL follower, and for those of you that uh, just stumbled across uh, this podcast on iTunes or you're just joining along because of word of mouth. Um, we've been following Zach Boychek because Zach Boychek followed us on Twitter. He was our first, you know, legitimate follower with the, the blue check mark. And uh, we've been trying to highlight him. And now that we're on iTunes, it was, you know, this big inside joke that we were going to reach out to Zach Boychek so he can download us on iTunes. And uh, we've been trying to hustle some tickets because the Zach Boychek, he's a left winger. Uh, he played. He's uh, with the the Carolina Hurricanes, and the Carolina Hurricanes are going to be near where we record here in Washington, D.C., playing the Washington Capitals on Tuesday, March 31st um, at 7 p.m. Unfortunately, Zach Boychek has been placed with the uh, AHL with the Charlotte Checkers, which is crazy, actually, that an NHL team has their uh, affiliate in the same town, so good for him. I guess he didn't have to pack up and move, uh, but he's playing for the the Charlotte Checkers now. So he's not on the active roster for the Carolina Hurricanes, which puts a little damper on our Boychek corner. But hey, we're not going to turn our backs to Zach Boychek because he didn't turn our backs to us. He's following us on Twitter, so we're still going to promote our good old friend Zach Boychek, and I, we're proud to say that he's doing great with the Charlotte Checkers. Uh, in 12 games, he's got four goals, three assists. Uh, he's plus one, um, and you know, so we're we're excited for him. He seems to be doing great. And if you look at his biography, um, he does well in the AHL. Um, he's all time. Um, He's second all-time with uh, goals for the Checkers. Um, had a great 2013-2014 season. Um, so hopefully he continues to do well, work out some kinks, and he can continue, uh, and they'll pick him up in, in Carolina. His last game in Carolina was uh, January 2nd. Um, he had one assist, um, which left him for the season, and he played 31 games. He had three goals, three assists. Uh, six points for 504th in the NHL. Uh, his plus minus was zero, so that was slowly going down. He was he it was like a four at one point, and then just slowly kept decreasing. Um, uh, so that's a shame. Um, 
but uh, we're still rooting for him. We'll still follow him. We'll still highlight him here in our corner. And uh, here's to hoping that he is with the Hurricanes. And you never know. Uh, we, as we were saying in all the other podcasts, if we get some tickets to that game, yeah, we're going to give them as a giveaway. So uh, that's incentive to to Zach if he's listening. Uh, if we can get him to to not only follow the podcast but actually listen to it, and if we can get tickets, we're going to give them away to our fans. We're going to have a giveaway. Uh, so those tickets to see the Carolina Hurricanes uh, play the Washington Capitals on March 31st, uh, which is a Tuesday, uh, we'll we'll be giving those away if we get them. So again. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Let's uh, create this uh, social media uh, community and, and make this fun. And uh, tweets and such, here we are. Follow us on iTunes. Um, again, if you're listening to this, we're on iTunes. This is exciting. This is a big deal for us. Uh, let's spread the word. Send it out to your friends. If you like this podcast, that means somebody you know probably will. And uh, So that's how we get uh, the ball rolling. Uh, we have guests on this show. Um, as I, I said, next week we're going to have an interview. So we try to make this fun. We try to make it relative. Um, uh, get everybody involved. You know, the, the podcast, it's about this intersection of uh, politics, sports, pop culture, and really um, that, that place in the middle where they all divide and, and, and shine a light on what is America. And that's what really we're exploring here on the podcast. We're trying to do it in a fun way. Um, we're trying to do it in a way where it's, uh, you know, the every man's opinion. Uh, so no, we don't have uh, former athletes. We don't have former politicians as your your host and, and the guest here. But we have everyday Americans with their everyday perspective talking about their everyday feelings, which is something if you look on TV, we're really kind of missing is just that um, this uh, a place of conversation and intelligence and intellect where we challenge each other and we have a, a positive forward moving conversation. Um, that's that's uh, effective and and positive and has some impact. Um, so please join us in this journey and the podcast and spread the word. Tweet us at Lion Eyes Podcast. Send us an email, lioneyespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, become a new Twitter follower. We'll follow you. Um, and, and so... You know, please do. Let's create the social media community. Uh, not up yet, but coming soon. www.lioneyespodcast.com. And also soon, uh, our very own MailChimp. Uh, we'll be able to send out emails and updates to all our listeners. We want to keep you guys connected. And uh, we're going to announce right now a contest to name our listeners. We want to name uh, for our listeners uh, so we're able to refer to you and you can refer to us. And uh, that's pretty much it for our show today. We, we hope you enjoyed it. It is what it is. Um, we'll be back uh, next week. Again, give us feedback. We want to make the show that you want to listen to. Um, so remember, looking both ways to cross the street doesn't help you if you're a coyote on Looney Tunes. Look up, friends. Look up. Thank you for listening. Until tomorrow, good night. So we only recorded for three hours. Holy fuck. <laughs>